We're um, talking this morning about uh, discipleship and evangelism, and I want to give plenty of time for you to figure out what on earth that means for Episcopalians by talking about it at your tables. Okay, so that's the, that's the deal. Um, Jay Sybotham, I think I know most of you, but it's wonderful to be here. This is part of our year-long series on what it means to be a disciple, prompted by Rowan Williams' book, which we read over the summer. And uh, we're thinking about discipleship, particularly in the next couple of weeks, as framed by our shy and retiring presiding bishop, who we're trying to draw out of his shell. But um, he has articulated for his nine-year ministry, which is too quickly coming to an end, uh, several premises, platforms, pillars of what discipleship looks like. Zach talked about it last week in terms of the way of love, seven verbs that help us identify what it means to be a disciple. But he has, uh, for his own ministry, uh, articulated three goals, um, that the church should be talking about evangelism, racial reconciliation, and creation care. And what's interesting to me is he sees each of those things as related to each other, but also as part of what it means to be a disciple. So maybe that broadens in some respects your own understanding of what it means to be um, be a disciple. But um, so I'm going to talk about or, or ask you to talk about evangelism this week. Sarah. Um, what is creation care? Creation care is working to be good stewards of the environment, to care for creation, um, which Lord knows needs some care. So that's, um, that's, the, that's what creation care is. And I don't know which one of my colleagues is talking about that in the next coming weeks, but um, uh, I think Zach maybe in two weeks. But um, anyway, we're gonna talk about evangelism today. And um, I'm going to begin with a prayer. It's actually a prayer, it's on your sheet there. And I hope there are enough sheets produced for everybody who's here. Um, and uh, please feel free to grab a seat. You can start a new table or you can um, sit at a table but, uh, where, where other folks are. Um, but for our discussion purposes, we might ask you to fill up a table. Um, so. Why don't we all have this in front of you? Why don't we say it together? This is a prayer, third Sunday after the Epiphany, a season in which we think about what it means to see Jesus and what it means to be one of his followers. Let's say this together. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, so I picked this reading, and you might want to think as we talk about uh, at your table about evangelism, what are some other biblical readings that come to mind that might help inform your understanding of evangelism? But I was thinking about, you know, the five promises of the baptismal covenant. Um, Three of them are about our outreach in the world, but the third, the third one says, will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? It means we are all preachers slash we are all evangelists. Sometimes Episcopalians, I find they're like really big on the example piece. Like they say, you know, that thing from St. Francis, which I'm not sure even St. Francis ever said, but preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. It's a nice idea, but it also sometimes gets us off the hook for how we have to talk 
about what the good news is for us. I, I remember Catherine Jefford Shorey once said, you know, I have no problem telling somebody when I have found a great restaurant or watched a great movie. I have more difficulty telling somebody something about a deep spiritual movement in my heart that I would characterize as good news. And I totally get what she's saying and I get all the reasons why that's possible. But anyway, we're, um, how do we talk and share about what we experienced as the good news. And there are like a million questions. We could be here for about three hours with these questions. You won't be, but I'm gonna turn it over to you all in just a minute. But I thought, cause I was thinking about, so some of you know, well, I started out working in animation and I still have had the privilege uh, and challenge of doing cartoons for the church pension group every year, right? We get to do a calendar that goes to every, I think goes to every church in the country. And the great part about it, I've been doing it for 20 years, the great part about it is I don't have to make up a thing <laughs> because all the material is just there in the church, right? It's just there, there for us to see. So I wanted to share a couple of cartoons. Let's see, opening prayer and scripture. Uh, we haven't read the scripture yet. Why don't we read the scripture? Sarah Cunningham, thank you for volunteering <laughs> to read the scripture in a big old voice. Let it boom. I have teacher voice. I know you do. Um, a reading from the Gospel of John. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> Philip said to him, come and see. So I'm going to give you a chance at your table, if that's something you want to talk about, to talk about more fully this reading. But give me just a word or phrase that strikes you from that passage. Shout it out. Come and see. Come and see. Follow me. Follow me. We have found him. We have found him. Anything else? Said. Said. Yeah, we can all make up our what our version of that is, right? I won't go. I won't make it public what mine is. But anyway, we can all think about can anything good come out of some place that we think is backwater or something? Yeah, that's what Nazareth was. What else? Found. Found. Cool. Okay, so the, here comes a cartoon portion. Then I'm going to turn it all over to you to talk. So, you know, we all have this sign, the Episcopal Church welcomes you, which I sort of believe. I'm not sure we're always as good at it as we think we are. Um, so how welcoming are we? Somebody sent me this photograph. I, I just, I love this thing. It's from a Methodist church. Can you, all, can you all see it? I don't know if you guys can see it. Turn it around a little bit. Oh, turn it around. I know. Can I turn it a little bit? Two signs. One says, United Methodists stand against racism. Is that one better? The other one says, all are welcome here. Right. Anyway, I don't know where that came. I don't know where that came from, but it's a little. It's a little bit of a parable. Yeah. So this is a cartoon. This is in progress. This is for the next calendar year. You know how our presiding bishop is always talking about evangelism. This actually, I'm in the spirit of things I don't make up, someone actually said this to me. I don't know why he's talking about evangelism in this town. Everyone who ought to be Episcopalian already is. 
Does that, does that ring at all true to anybody? Okay, let's see what else we got. Oh, this is, sometimes we equate evangelism with welcome, which is a piece of what uh, evangelism is. This was a cartoon about um, uh, a, young, a young clueless couple who comes to the 8 a.m. service, right? And uh, uh, a patrician uh, pillar of the church approaches them. I understand you're newcomers, welcome, so glad you're here. Oh, by the way, you're in my pew. <laughs> And this went on Facebook, on the Facebook meme, you know, Episcopal memes or something. And somebody wrote. I just got it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Whatever. Somebody wrote, this is a stupid cartoon. The cartoonist is an idiot. This is an unfair caricature of the Episcopal Church. This would never happen in the Episcopal Church. And in the flash of an eye from around the globe, people wrote, this happened to me last Sunday, this happened to me last Sunday, this happened to me last Sunday, this, and one of the most poignant uh, telling, what's that? It happens here. No, I'm shocked, Mary. I am shocked, never. I, somebody said, I, this happened to me 20 years ago at, the, at a church. I never went back. But I think of what was going on with that person that for 20 years held on to that. And how is it that we even before we go out into the world, how are we as church welcoming and really evangelizing, sharing good news by letting people know? This is a parable of evangelism. So um, someone gave me this image. It, it, it's um, evangelism in the Episcopal Church is likened unto someone who placed an aquarium by the edge of the ocean and any fish from the ocean that wished to jump in could do so, but we're not going out of our way, right? So anyway, this is coffee hour. I don't know if you've ever had this experience at coffee hour where everybody comes in and everybody who knows each other speaks about how friendly the church is. And there are these people on the periphery who are looking like at brochures about estate planning or something that just feigning interest, um, but that sense of, of um, the challenge that I've, I've never read a parish profile. I don't know about you, Zach, but I've never read a parish profile that didn't say we were welcoming church. And I visited churches and I've said, that's not true. So it's just interesting. Here's another, I have a friend who talks about vampire evangelism. Vampire evangelism is when we see somebody new coming to our church and we figure out what they can do for us. So this couple, they see a new couple coming. She'll be a great senior warden. I'd like him to run the property committee. Kids can be acolytes. They will double the size of our Sunday school. They're so well-dressed. I bet they're great pledgers. They drive a really nice car. So anyway, that's, that's it for the cartoons. Now I'm gonna turn it over to you all to discuss because we have a bunch of questions. Um, and I want you just to kick it around. We'll have about, we'll have a lo little longer time. We'll have 15 minutes. And then I want somebody from each table to report. You all can be a three, three at a table or you can join other bigger tables if, if you would like. Um, questions, comments, thoughts, anything before we break off? That's why God makes round tables. You can just expand them. Questions or thoughts or comments on evangelism? <laughs> Okay, go. You can tell I don't want to talk about this. You guys are going to talk about it. 
We'll stop at 5 of 11. Okay, no, let's rein this in. Okay, awesome. I got, I'm glad you've got it all figured out. Um, this esteemed table to my left gets to start because you made the mistake of being on my left. So anyway, somebody who's going to talk. Who's Tony? Excellent. Hit it, Tony resplendent in yellow. Ah, okay. On a bright shine in sunlight. Um, in a big old voice. One of the things we talked about is that in fact, two words have become almost hijacked. One is evangelism and one is Christian. Whereas somebody often will come to you and say, I'm Christian, with the sort of implication that you probably are not. Or evangelism. And that's been hijacked often to mean a very right-wing or left-wing word. So what we determine that perhaps an alternative way of expressing evangelism is to say an invitation. An invitation to come and see and judge for yourself, but an invitation. Are you all hearing this? It's brilliant. Yes, okay. Yeah. That's brilliant. Invitation, come and see. Invitation. It's interesting, like they do a like, uh, they've done studies of like in our culture, word association with the word Christian. It doesn't come out well. <laughs> Judgmental, you know, associated with a particular political agenda, hypocritical, all of these associations come up. It's, it's no wonder that um, maybe our churches are in decline, but I think part of, what, did you, what word did you use? Invitation. In, redeem or, or uh, rehabilitate. rehabilitate, rehabilitate these words because evangelism just means good news, sharing good news. So I remember, I remember what my 34 year old son, when he was born in St. Vincent's 34 years ago, I walked home to the East Village where we were living and I never had done this before in New York and haven't done it since, but I just would stop people on the corner and say, my wife just had a baby boy, isn't this exciting? I mean, <laughs> I mean just ever, the whole way, I mean, I'm glad I'm alive, but anyway, it's, um, <laughs> but it was irrepressible. And I think there's a sense in which um, that irrepressible longing, uh, as we speak about the good news of uh, being loved unconditionally, is something that we should move. But I'm preaching right now, so this table. Who's gonna speak, Isabel? Um, so we actually, have, our discussion for this table is very similar to the uh, table that just went. So we did just uh, talk about how the word evangelism has been hijacked. It has more of this political connotation nowadays, um, and especially how people who aren't necessarily, you know, have a routine of, of religion, religious practice or identify with the church just kind of lump it all in together, more or less. Um, and then in addition to that, um, we for the second question, there's also a similar discussion in terms of um, seeing evangelism or like the level of comfort of evangelism within the Episcopal Church um, coming from this more subtle evangelism of an invitation. So like finding an entry point into the church because otherwise um, coming into a space of this nature might feel a bit intimidating. And then we talked about how the structure of some of the services here at St. James in particular, having like our 6 p.m., which is a much slower pace and a more meditative space how that for somebody who's just kind of coming off the street, you know, they might feel a welcome in that setting, kind of seeing these services serve a different purpose if you 
are able to just sort of walk in off the street versus having that more personal invitation for something that, you, that might be of interest to you. Awesome. Thank you. Great. This table here. Sarah. So we talked about various examples of speaking with individuals that we know or individuals that we encounter, but it's not always direct about coming to church right. or about the word of God, uh, but more about the activities that occur here. And um, we expressed uh, an emphasis on the idea of doing things rather than just speaking about them. Arminda talked about how she would talk to her friends about what was going on here, but without necessarily saying you should come too, but the invitation being open to them. Finally, we had a good idea about the idea of welcoming people at the sidewalk level, because the mention was made that St. James being up the steps is somewhat intimidating to people going by. Whereas if we have the doors open and people waiting on the sidewalk with happy music being broadcast, it might throw in some passers-by. Ralph Lauren this week, I don't know if anybody heard of Ralph Lauren across the street had opera singers. They were having some event. It was glorious, but it, it, it's to your point, it, it definitely drew a crowd. I used to work at St. Bart's down the street, right? And uh, in this, and we had the same issue with, you know, church steps up, nobody. And uh, so in the summer when it was like a million degrees, we decided we would give out lemonade, right? On the, on the street, you know, cause we had like a million passerbys. And I remember talking with one woman uh, at length, most people, most people pass by and they wouldn't take the lemonade because they figured there was a pledge card attached or something, right? <laughs> but, but one woman stopped and talked to me and she said, after we talked for a little while, she looked up at the church and she said, am I allowed to go in there? Am I allowed to go in there? And part of it was, I think, as we talked, she um, had done some things in her life that she probably ought not to have done. And she was carrying that sense with her. And she wondered if she would be struck by lightning or if the church would kick her out or whatever. But I wonder how many times in the Episcopal Church, people go by and they go, am I allowed to go in there? And all the different things that that means. One more table to talk about. Who's gonna talk at that table? Hi. Um, Faith. Well, our table never really got anywhere but question three. <laughs> and internally from your cartoon about things that went well, when people come in and we have all sorts of ideas, maybe a designated host for coffee hour for people who are new, then onboarding from the newcomers group. Um, somebody mentioned wearing a little tag. I don't know how this would go, that you're new, maybe. But also, um, I mentioned evangelism outside. Um, if I met a group of people that I don't really know and I volunteered to say grace, I didn't think it made a difference. But weeks later, friends of mine were not Christians, not religious asked me, we can't eat until you say grace. So we were talking about doing things. Um, also, Ashes to Go, and Wadi talked about people coming into the church on Ash Wednesday that maybe they never came in any time before. That's kind of like sidewalk. And uh, Patty was talking about inviting people, talking about events, just like what you were saying, so that people feel welcome to come, that you're not actually saying, come on into church, but you are by what you do. I had a um, I had a, a parishioner down at St. Bart's who was a lawyer and worked in a law firm and she came to me one day and she said I have I work with all these lawyers they're really 
smart people. They're really good, ethical people. They're really hardworking. Not one of them is religiously observant. I'm going to have a dinner party and I'm going to invite them to come and I'm going to tell them ahead of time that the dinner conversation is fill in the blank, God in my life, right? God in my life. I thought this was pretty brave. Um, I also thought, and she told me I'm coming to this and I'm going to facilitate this or something. Um, <laughs> she was a shy New Yorker too. But um, I said, no worries, I'll be there because I didn't think anybody would come, right? And lo and behold, everybody showed up. And what was so interesting to me, and it made me think about evangelism, was every one of those people, not religiously observant, not tied to any congregation, whatever, everybody had a story. You couldn't shut them up. And I think that that is something, it's not just that we, hi, hey, <laughs> you've got some helpers. <laughs> it's not that, um, it's not just that it's church. It's about where is God in everybody's life, as, as uh, Marisa was talking about in, in, the, in the sermon, we're all God's children, and how do we tap into that, and how do we invite people to kind of be in touch with that? And I thought it was a very non-threatening way to be an evangelist. Just say, tell me about where God is in your life, you know? So anyway, um, we got to run. Uh, worship is happening soon. Uh, let us pray. The Lord be with you. Gracious God, we thank you for this day and for this community and for how it feeds us. And I pray that we will uh, come to grow in our invitation and in our welcome. And as we seek to share the good news of your unconditional love for us. And it's in your name we gather and pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for diving into this.